Welcome to the Thing About Therapy podcast, where we discuss a variety of mental health topics, including cultural beliefs and coping skills, while we also provide a therapist's outlook on things and normalize experiences not heavily talked about in society. I'm Kristen Latrella, and with me is... Mahogany Hall. Hi, everyone. It's Kristen. Hi, I'm Mahogany. And today we are going to be talking about coping with trauma and grief through the holiday season. We're having this discussion because it's around that time of the holiday season and we're seeing all of these plastered advertisements saying, you know, it's a wonderful time of the year and um, we see all of the Hallmark Channel and everyone's talking about the happiness involved with this time period, but we're not talking about the sadness and um, the dread that a lot of people are actually having around this time. So we are going to get into the different types of grief and Mahogany is going to kick us off with that. Yes. Thank you, Kristen. So um, we know grief as when someone um, passes away or dies. And, um, but we want to educate you guys that grief is not just that part. Grief is also um, broken friendships, loss mm-hmm. of a relationship, um, loss of your identity, um, mm-hmm. grieving something that you never had or um, something that you really, really wanted and you didn't get, such as like infertility or um, a job, whatever the yeah. case. And so um, that's just a little bit. So when we're talking about today, we're not just talking about the loss of someone. We're talking about all those different types of griefs as well. Mm-hmm. Um also, just to talk a little bit about trauma, because trauma is included in this topic. Um, during the holidays, you know, we all are like, oh, we're going to be around family and all of this stuff. But sometimes people don't understand or people don't even think about that if the child or someone um, been through some sort of trauma and their offender is part of the family. And, mm-hmm. you know, you did everything you're supposed to do. Uh, reporting and all that stuff within the justice system didn't do that part. And now your offender is walking around and imagine what it would be like if, you know, your offender, offender is sitting across the table from you during Christmas at the right. dinner table. And so uh, we also want to just highlight that, you know, throughout this conversation. So we are talking about grief and then we're mm-hmm. talking about trauma. And within that trauma, it could be sexual abuse, physical abuse, um, any cards yeah everything anything that happened around that time so that is what this topic is going to be about mm-hmm. yeah thank you mahogany so there's also piggybacking off of the trauma we can also talk about you know broken relationships that you talked about before with parent and child where you know everyone else even the siblings yeah. might feel comfortable and happy going to that dynamic that um, family holiday but you are dreading that or you don't want to involve your family now in that experience because of the past trauma and abuse. So what can be helpful for managing during this time is learning your triggers. What are they? So this could be, you know, any triggers or sense. They could be fights, you know, um, you can see a family member that you haven't seen in years or um, you know, you just lost a loved one. So, you know, the scent is still lingering. Maybe a family member is wearing it for memories, but you don't like that. Um, you haven't really dealt with the grief. 
but mm-hmm. now you're going to have to be exposed to it. So knowing, you know, what is that going to look like when you're triggered can be helpful too. Um, not yeah. just identifying what it is, but what happens to you when you are triggered. Right. And so when we talk about triggers to kind of um, notice what happens to your body, is it your heart racing? Are you sweating? Um, are you losing your breath? Are you stuttering? Notice what mm-hmm. happens um, physically to you. And then those are also like your warning signs. So if you notice that all are happening, you know that you most likely have been triggered. Mm-hmm. So just being mindful of and aware of those things too. So that was good. Yeah. Right. And triggers aren't always where you're in the fight or flight and you're frozen too. It could be anger and knowing yeah. the warning signs for that, the blackout period where, you know, maybe you're, at the dinner table and you're enraged like mahogany your example of your abuser sitting across from you and the wrongdoing and all of this so yeah just knowing am i ready to be put in this type of environment um have i done the work to process this grief that i'm experiencing mm-hmm. um and a second part of you know what might be helpful during this time is creating a safety plan to prepare for that moment and mahogany right. you want to talk about what that is yeah so um just creating a safety plan like we've already said knowing your triggers knowing your warning signs but also um figure out what's the game plan okay Mm -hmm. so even before you know if y'all are having this holiday party and you don't know who's going to be there right so it may not even be your offender, but your family may know what's going on and then you have someone walk up to you and say oh like how are you doing about you know, what happened to you and everything. And then that brings everything up. And so Mm -hmm. what is the game plan going into these holidays? Um, And so I think just creating that plan, okay, my triggers are this, my warning signs are this, what am I going to do the, um, what coping skills I'm going to use. And we'll talk about coping skills a little bit later, but um, just what coping skills I'm going to use, who can I talk to and all of those things. So Mm -hmm. just really, you know, take time before the holiday to definitely create that plan. Yeah. Yeah. There's also recognizing that grief can come in waves. And this is this is something that could be a trigger because, you know, you might have for yourself, you haven't processed your grief or you're still deep in it. And, you know, your family, let's say your sibling even is visibly seeming like they're looking they're they're moving forward in their grief journey or maybe they haven't even looked like it has impacted them in the same way that it has for you so there's this guilt that's surrounding uh the timeline for some people when they're dealing with grief and um, what we want people to recognize is allow yourself to be in the moment and grieve and be in those emotions if you feel like you're going to have a breakdown at the table maybe envision what that'll look like and decide, do I want to do it here? Do I want everybody to be involved in this or should I take a moment outside by myself and process it there? Do I want company or do I want to be alone? So Uh that game plan of asking whoever you feel the most comfortable with at the table, hey, just so you know, I'm not mentally where I might want to be today and it's going to be really hard for me and I may cry. I may want you to step out with me in that moment. Uh-huh. It's hard to set this boundary with family that you have known your entire uh-huh. life. Uh-huh. 
and it can feel uncomfortable we can overthink it and maybe we won't even have them respond in the way that we would like mm-hmm. but to know that you're making a change an effort to get better for yourself so just grieve how you want to grieve how you can there's again no right or wrong with this no rhyme or reason why they they may visibly seem like they've moved past it but you don't know what they do behind closed doors so this person may be suffering too but they don't let others show it so that that could be pent up energy and avoidance that they'll have to deal with later on but at least you are actually trying to move past what has happened to you and not just Again, try and cement block it <laughs> into the oh. corner without addressing it. So, Mahogany, do you have anything else to say about the timelines of grief? No, I think you you basically you said everything. Um, just from don't be hard on yourself because just say if someone uh, a loved one passed away like ten years ago, it's okay if you around this time you do have that feeling like oh my gosh, like. I, I feel like I miss this person. It's okay to have those feelings. Yeah. Those feelings. Um, so yeah, you said everything very well. Um, just be kind to yourself, especially those feelings come up, acknowledge those feelings. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, you know, that's the best way to kind of go through this time. Don't be so hard on yourself. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, that actually gets into our coping skills. Yes. So, so the first, um, we have, Kristen, this is like your favorite one, self-compassion. Tell us about it. It really is. Um, <laughs> when I first learned about self-compassion, by the way, the person that created it is named Kristen Nass, but um, she created it for herself. And it's on, um, well, the baseline was because, you know, she had a child suffering with autism and she was mm-hmm. figuring out that diagnosis and anyone who knows me knows that I'm fascinated by neurodivergent um, individuals as well but we're on self-compassion and giving ourselves grace this is the hardest thing to do when you're suffering because you're looking around and that comparison of you know everyone else is doing fine what's wrong with me you really get in your feels and if you don't feel like you have the support in your circle in that moment who better than to be kind to yourself? Because who knows what you need to hear better than you? Right. What words do I need to hear right now in order to feel comforted? What do I need to feel safe in this moment? So that's why I'm an avid believer of self-compassion. I try and throw it in everywhere because we often put ourselves last in that mm-hmm. scenario and try and mask what's really going on. Like why pretend? that you are not in your feelings right now because majority of the way that we cope and our behaviors can be better explained when we actually are just honest and say, I'm not doing okay versus trying to get through it before you're ready. And Mm -hmm. you're in that environment at the dinner table and someone says something, not knowing what you're going through. And again, triggers you. Then what happens? You turn into the bad guy because your anger explodes because we haven't addressed mm-hmm. what's really going on. So just being kind to yourself and allowing yourself the permission to take the time that you need to sit this one out if you have to, or to 
be seen as the weak link. I'm uh-huh. doing your quotes that no one can see. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, if there's also a lot of, um, a lot of support for yourself in letter writing. Uh-huh. And it can be awkward at first when you first start out with saying, dear me, and you're giving yourself all of the words that you are hoping to hear from maybe the loved one that has passed or um, the friendship that's lost or even for those, let's, let's circle back to the, the type of grief that you could experience because I don't think people talk about those mothers that never got to see their, their children. Uh-huh. Moms yeah. that are struggling with infertility time and time again feeling like you don't have a place because you didn't get to see your child so you don't know if I can say that I count in this category yes you can uh-huh. and leaning into that grief when you're not really getting the support that you need besides you know if you go to support groups that's great but um yeah, just giving yourself the support where you don't see or get it normally mm-hmm. is what I could give to this topic. Do you have anything yeah. else you'd like to add? Um, you know, self-compassion is your thing. You're the expert. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm gonna jump down to mindfulness, but this is also kind of tied into grounding as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about mindfulness and we talk about grounding, um, it just helps you be more present in the here and now. And so Mm -hmm. just imagine like if you're sitting there and then you're having this anxiety, you know, your heart's pounding, palms is clammy, um, sweating and all these different warning signs, right? So taking yourself out of that space and going Mm -hmm. into your safe place or your safe space, um, and just being present at that time, acknowledging what's around you. And so I'll go into like the one of the grounding exercises that I know about is just like if you were to lay down on the carpet or lay down on the bed and kind of acknowledge like what is touching what. So if you're laying on a bed, is the pillow touching my head or do I have it at my feet? You know, and just kind of feel that bed because now you know that where you are in your room or in a room or um, if you're sitting in the car just kind of try to touch different things and then, you know, what does this feel like? What does that feel like? Um, so Kristen, do you have any grounding exercise you can give our listeners? Yeah, the grounding exercises will be the main one that I use. I am not sure if I talked about this last week, the anchoring into the present activity. Uh... I think you mentioned it, but it's mm-hmm. always good to have a, a refresher. Let them know. Okay. So for those that have missed it, um, anchoring into the present is a fast and easy way to increase the internal awareness. So you are focused on the different textures. And I'm going to grab an object just for demonstration purposes. No one can see me, but it doesn't matter. I have an AirPods case in my hand. And I'm going to ask myself the following questions. I'm going to start with, figuring out is this object cool, cold, warm, or hot? And right now mine feels cool because the room is cool. And mm-hmm. I'll say, is it hard or soft? And it's a case, but I'd say it's kind of hard. 
but um, it's really no right or wrong. It's up to me. So I say it's hard. <laughs> and um, I'll be asked to distra- describe the texture. Okay. Now, while it's a hard object, the texture still feels somewhat smooth because of this casing that I have on it. Um, and as we continue going on, I ask, you know, to describe the object. And some people don't. I would say it's maybe a tiny little square. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> and, um, you know, we go and pick another object and we ask the same questions and then compare the two. So you have to kind of be focused on the questions and figuring out the differences between the two, the similarities, and that forces you to be in the moment and less in your thoughts. So that is helpful for people who have experienced trauma or anxiety or stress, really, to just come back into the room, similar to what you were describing. Yep, yep, great. Thank you, Kristen. Sure. Um, some other things is like taking a walk or stepping outside, getting that fresh air. And maybe if you go outside, maybe do a few inhales and exhales in through your yeah. nose, out through your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Um, we did mention for this next one, we did mention um, being intentional about the support you receive. So know who your person is, your go-to person, whether it's your mom, dad, partner, you know, spouse, friend, um, I would yeah. say dog or animal, but I'm mm-hmm. not sure you had, that's when you have to figure out, do you want a response from that support or do you want them to just listen? Like, right. yeah, like I can talk to Rocket. Rocket is not responding to me. Y'all don't know who Rocket is. Rocket is my dog. He's not going <laughs> to respond, but he's going to make very good eye contact with me as if he knows what I'm talking about. And yeah. so, that's what you know so if I just want someone to just listen then I could talk to Rocket or if you do want an actual person explain to them and say hey right now I don't need any kind of feedback I just need you to listen hold that space for me and just be there for me right now and um, that person should be able to accept that and if they can't, then that lets you know that maybe they aren't the person for you to go and talk to for certain situations, right? Right, right. Yeah, I love that you kind of laid that out, even using Rocket as the example. The intention, setting that before you get the support that you need. Um, there's been a lot of times where I've heard in the past where someone has you know, asked for support from their family. And they said, I did not get what I was expecting, yeah. but they didn't, they didn't say what they were expecting. They were just hoping for the best from this person, but, um, you know, nothing really changed about the way that they interact, but you didn't notice it until you needed it. Mm-hmm. So when, you know, you're, let's just say we're going back to the grief <laughs> and mm-hmm. we're talking about, um, maybe you're going to your, cousin about the grief and you just say I I don't know what to do I uh-huh. I can't stop feeling this way I feel numb and your cousin says girl don't worry about it it you will be all right it'll mm-hmm. it'll get better you just gotta wait wait it out dug it out whatever 
the advice <laughs> normally would be that normally would help in a different setting. Right. But but right now that's not what you need to hear because it just says, you know, that I number one, I don't have a timeline and I know that, but you saying wait it out, I'm getting defensive. You hit a trigger. Because now I'm saying, okay, but how long though? And you don't understand because you, you just don't understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so certain supports can make you very combative. And if the person doesn't know what you are expecting, it's going to do more harm than good in that moment. So just, again, revert back to taking a walk or stepping outside for that breather. Mm-hmm. If you do get triggered, right and, and to you know you do have some people that are like you'll say oh my gosh I'm feeling this way and they'll try to relate to you and be like oh mm. yeah I felt this way too when this happened to me and it could be totally two different things has no uh similarities and you're like no, That's yeah why are you trying to relate to me um and so yeah. just you know, patient with them, especially if they're not used to these conversations. So that's what we say, communicate. So if you just want someone to just listen, then, um, you know, mm-hmm. express that. Tell them, I, hey, I need a moment. I just need you to listen. Yeah. Yeah. So we had one more. What was the last coping skill? Try to build that routine. Mm-hmm. And Mahogany, you want to go first? <laughs> yeah um so when we talk about these coping skills right you don't want to wait until you're having a full-blown panic attack or anxiety attack to start doing these coping skills like while you're in the middle of not breathing um you cannot be like oh my gosh let me go hit a walk let me go do this let me go do that like no it's you're, you're already at 10 mm-hmm. so there's no way for you to figure out which coping skill to utilize at a 10 Okay, now when we say build a routine, let these be coping skills that you practice when you're mad, when you're sad, when you're happy, you had a good day, you had a bad day, when you just want to take some time. Let these be different coping skills that you just practice on your daily routine. Mm -hmm. Because then when you do get triggered, you already know what that trigger looks like, you know what the warning signs look like. What is that go to coping skill? Right immediately try to use it Mm -hmm. so Kristen what do you have yeah I I love all that you said um when it comes to building a routine for me I just want people to recognize that this routine is not going to be the same as the routine that you had before the grief and the trauma okay let's just throw that idea out the window because what we're Mm -hmm. doing now is creating a new identity a Uh new pattern of behavior that's going to help you get through it so while I'm saying that you could maybe still enjoy let's say going to the gym or um, meeting up with a friend once a week or whatever those fun engaging activities used to be that actually still bring you joy go ahead and do that but Uh let's say that you are grieving um, the loss of a loved one or um, you know, you are a new mom or dad, right? Parents, <laughs> you <laughs> don't know what 
to do with yourself because now you just feel like all you do is take care of this person and you don't know how to have your own identity. So building a routine around, you know, this new identity that you're experiencing is helpful. So figuring out like, do I want to go to a support group or um, make new friends now with this new identity or do I just, want to survive because I don't know what to plan my planning went out the window embrace that you will figure out a plan once you figure out again the intent for the day just taking it one day at a time I think that's the most important is while you used to be the type a person and you used to have everything mapped out including maybe making your bed brushing your teeth mundane tasks after a grief or a traumatic event, that may change. And you may just turn into this person that is literally just trying to be present. Right. <clears throat> and to also just highlight, you I mean, you made a good point. Like before the trauma and the grief, you were doing this, you were doing that. That lifestyle was probably, you know, more structured, right? Yeah, yeah. And when trauma happens, your life is kind of in shambles or it doesn't have any structure. And so one of the, the best ways to kind of get back on your feet and get back on track is to become more structured, is to become, is to create another schedule or routine for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could be something as simple as brushing your teeth or, you know, taking a bath. Like that is part of your ritual now. <clears throat> and yeah. Back to things. And so, um, great job, Krista. <laughs> you too, Mahogany. <laughs> so um just to kind of sum up everything we did talk about grief we talked about trauma i hope you guys got a better understanding of what the different types of grief and what does trauma look like when it comes to you know in the holidays and um remember when we create this safety plan if you create one to identify those triggers and warning signs and coping skills and that support as well um we talked about self-compassion, mindfulness, the different grounded techniques. Kristen did great, give a great example. Um, taking a walk, stepping outside, um, mm-hmm. being intentional about the support received. Ask, explain to your support how you want them to help you out. That is key. And then mm-hmm. making a routine, using these coping skills. I think yeah. I covered, covered everything, right? Yeah, you wrapped that up quite nicely. I think. right (laughs) just be kind to yourself everybody it's not easy especially during the holidays when you're going through something like this give yourself permission take the time Mm -hmm. that you need Mm -hmm. and that is it Uh, we want to say stay tuned uh, for next week's episode the big A talking about anxiety. We will be focusing on perfectionism and performance related anxieties. That includes student athletes, or if you're just a person that is out there doing public speaking, or you're trying to interview for a job, or whatever the case may be, we are talking about that anxiety next go round. All righty. Thank you for listening to our podcast, The Thing About Therapy. This is Mahogany Hall. And I'm Kristen Mochella. 